Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Just the Tips. This is James P. Friel, super excited to have you guys here with us today. Today we've got a legend on the show joining us named Brian Burt. We're going to get to Brian in a second. But as you guys know, I have a very handsome, bearded-faced co-host who lives in the United Kingdom who rides into the show on a big white horse, Dean Holland. How are you today? <laughs> I was kind of hoping I would be the legend as you was introducing there, but we I... We both know I better. Know. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> it is awesome to be here. I'm excited for this. How are you, my uh, furry-faced friend? Uh, yeah, you know, I'll tell you how I am. So I haven't brought this up yet because I did want to save it for the show. So I, w- I got a, a very snarky Facebook comment on a post the other day. I almost was tempted not to play your trumpet fanfare when you rode into the studio today. Because Dean said, the question that I should have been asking on a uh, recent conversation with somebody was how to grow a thicker, fuller beard. All right? I'm right about that. And I chose, I was like, you know what? I could respond here on Facebook or I could save my grievance for the show. And so that's what I did. (laughs) I'm going to be muted for the next 30 minutes, aren't I? That's right. If you guys if you guys don't hear from Dean on this episode, at least now you know why. But I was like, you know what? I do love him. I have to still play the trumpet fanfare. So there we go. My grievance has been aired. Brian, I bet you didn't know what you were getting yourself into today. Welcome to uh, to this lion's den we call Just the Tips. God, I'm just jealous of your beards at this point after listening for <laughs> the past five minutes. I mean, I try to grow mine out. It looks like somebody over-salted and peppered a bag of Cheetos. Uh, <laughs> you know, and and that, that's about where I'm, you know, where I have to thank my Irish heritage. But <laughs> but I'm, I'm really happy to be here, guys. This is like, well, first of all, we're friends, but this is honestly becoming one of my favorite podcasts just to throw in at the gym. So this will be fun. Well, I mean, like, you know, it is the best business podcast in the world, arguably. So it's not all that surprising to hear you say that. <laughs> but we do appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> we appreciate it. we, we yeah. acknowledge that, but we're very confident that we uh, we would hear that. <laughs> so, so, Ryan... Uh, no, seriously, it's great to have you here today. You are a man of many talents. And, you know, one of them is just sheer, you know, you ever, Dean, you ever meet people who are just like, just entrepreneurs, like a true right. entrepreneur, you know, like you drop them somewhere and in five minutes, they're going to have some sort of business running. They're going to have something going on, selling something, making money. Brian, you're one of those guys in my mind. So I, you know, one of the things I want to just start with is, how did that happen? Like, how have you grown and started as an entrepreneur? And, uh, you know, then we can get to, you know, a lot of the amazing stuff that you're doing with, you know, all of your Amazon stuff and, you know, how you're just, you've got your own unique way of doing things there. But back up the clock for us a second. 
were you always as entrepreneurial as you are today? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to say technically unemployable. I've been fired from all two jobs I've ever had, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, I said, I, I just don't want to work for anybody. And I think that's really what it came down to. But yeah, I mean, even since yeah, kid, six years old and franchising out lemonade stands to the neighborhood, you know, the whole classic entrepreneurial story. <laughs> so, you know, I was franchising lemonade stands before I knew what the hell that was. So yeah, it's, it's kind of been a life journey for me. And, I, you know, I just don't know any other way. Right. So, so did you really franchise lemonade stands? I did. Believe it or not, yeah. I, st- <laughs> I love that he so says it much. Like that typical thing you do as a kid. No, most kids have the lemonade stand. You franchise them. <laughs> yeah, the fr- I, you know, I think the story goes. I was six years old, and the first summer, I made a lot of money. I think I made like three or four hundred bucks. And from there, you know, the second summer, I had you know three or four franchises, and then the third summer, at eight. I had 15 or 16 each summer. So No kidding. All <laughs> yeah. right. So walk, hold on, hold on a second. So walk me through this. Were you get you were getting paid royalties on other kids lemonade stands? Yeah, I I was. So I would <laughs> if growing up on the East Coast, you know, being a, a New Jersey kid, uh the winters were rough. So during the winter I would go around collecting the giant refrigerator boxes. If you've ever seen, you know, the cardboard box that they come in, and we would piece them together. So two or three, we'd glue them together and then cut out like a drawbridge in the front of them. We had like boom boxes, you know, underneath. We we're playing like classic Paula Abdul stuff, you know, from the 80s. <laughs> we had it all going. It was a lot of fun. So I collect those during the winter. I've never told this story because I'm like, who the hell wants to hear this? But we do. Uh, okay. <laughs> I collect them during the winter. Yeah. And then I would build them and I load up my grandpa's garage with the ready-to-go lemonade stands. And then the kids would come buy the lemonade stand from me and then give me half of their profit because I'd supply the Kool-Aid and lemonade during the summer. Oh, my God. This is, you know, this a few is years later in your life, that would have been called bullying. Right. <laughs> I, did, I did tell you I'm from Jersey, right? So. The question oh, is, are you amazing. still doing it? Are you still collecting these royalties today? You're still paying me to this day. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's still franchising out to other to six year old kids. Even as a you know guy in his mid thirties, he realized there's a tremendous opportunity in franchising lemonade stands. What's wrong with a little good sweatshop labor? <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! So you had fifteen at one point. Is that what you just said? I think you know, like thirteen, maybe fourteen. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a, it became a thing. You know, I had I had the three towns cornered. So it was, it was my, the town I grew up in and the two towns over from me. So, all right. So, so I got to ask, how much money did you make at the peak of the franchise lemonade stand business? You know, my whole goal was to buy my mom a car. And so I think by the time I was done, she bought a brand new 1989 Honda Civic with the money that we made. No. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. All right. So, so ladies and gentlemen, listening to this. Now you know why. See, I didn't even know this story coming into this. Yeah. Now you know why I'm saying he is an entrepreneur's entrepreneur, right. right? Like I just sensed it in his core, just knowing a little bit about him, not even knowing that much. That's amazing, man. So after the lemonade stands, you you probably have had more ventures than you can count or even remember, I would, I would guess. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, from car detailing in high school, that's how I paid for college. And I started a uh, an auto glass business of all things in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, halfway through college. I think I've got 14 credits left at college. I dropped out. I'm like, why am I doing this? It's it's slowing me down and making money. In fact, I still have that business today. Uh, we've since went national with it, which is kind of cool. And then at a certain point, I don't know if you guys have 
been down this path, but you know, money doesn't, isn't everything. It, it, it's great when, you know, when you don't have it, it is everything, but when you have it, it's kind of not, you know, so you look for fulfillment in different areas. So that's, that's where I kind of got to. So I started teaching a bit of my strategies on how I built the Autoglass company. In fact, you know, we were not installing windshields ourselves. We were just generating leads. So I think it was 19 when I started that 20, we were going door to door in Phoenix in 120 degree weather in the middle of the summer, asking people if they needed their windshields repaired. Uh, and so I said, you know, this is great. I might as well start some franchises kind of like the lemonade stands, (laughs) right? Bingo. (laughs) (laughs) So I did that and I had teams of people going around door knocking and then, you know, flash forward to about, I think it was 2001, 2002. I said, what's this internet thing all about? Let me go check that out. So I learned uh, how to dominate Google subsequently was sued or tried to get sued by competing autoglass companies forget this, quote-unquote, monopolization of Google. So, uh, you know, from that point, and if anybody listening out there is an SEO, you know what complete horseshit that is. So I think they kind of ultimately relegated to the if you can't beat them, join them mantra. And so they asked me to work for them uh, and help them with their SEO and getting ranked on Google. One of the companies that asked me to do that was a nationwide uh, autoglass company. And so, you know, I instantly saw the ability to, to generate leads, uh, get off of the street, stop door knocking uh, and send leads nationally to them. So that's been a longstanding, fantastic uh, relationship. And uh, it, it honestly, it does become almost passive. It comes automated very much. And I'm a huge fan of passive income. I believe in it. I think it's a real thing and I've proven it. And so what I did is I started teaching that to a, my first community I ever built online. The name of that community is Passive and Massive. And, you know, of course, it's passive income, massive lifestyle. So I started teaching those strategies and what is more commonly known now as paper lead or PPL. And uh, that that was really fun. And I extremely rewarding to teach people how to do this and then to see people, you know, change their position in life and grow and and really experience the same feelings I had coming up. Uh, And that became really kind of my goal is to help people get to that position. Uh, And then that just expanded into a million different areas. So, yeah, that's. Up to about that point, uh, that was that was the journey, uh, and since then it's really gone pretty explosive. That's awesome. So, all right. So, so then I got to ask. So, one of the things that I've I've seen with uh, just about every entrepreneur I've ever talked with, and you know, even myself included, is this concept of when you can create things as fast as that, and you're as good at you know just sort of coming up with an idea and then executing on it, right? Because I think a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs, like have a lot of ideas, but they don't know how to execute on them and make them work. And then, but once you get that skill, it almost becomes like a double-edged sword because you're like, oh, wow, I got this great idea. And not only do you have the great idea, but you actually know how to do something with it and make money with it. Uh, And at some point, I think that becomes like what I call entrepreneurial ADD, you know, for people where they're just like, you know, moving from one idea to the next idea to this other thing and all that. And, you know, I, I don't know how much of that you've experienced, but can you talk about that a little bit? And like, what's, what have been some of the challenges with being this entrepreneurial and being that creative that have potentially like, you've had to deal with those things too? Yeah. You know, I love that you said it's a double-edged sword because it really, really is. You know, the ability to execute on ideas as an entrepreneur 
it's not just a double-edged sword. It's it's almost like pulling Excalibur from the stone. You know, I mean, it's the sharpest sword and you can absolutely cut yourself with it. And I've done that on a lot of occasions by just spreading myself too thin. So I'm actually, you know, actively trying to cut back a little bit now and narrow the focus and just focus on, on one task or maybe two of my eight businesses. So yeah, it, it's definitely happened. This is exactly what I'm talking about, right? This is what you guys... Like right? eight <laughs> businesses, I got to fo- cut back and focus on one or two of my eight businesses. That's amazing that you have eight businesses. How do you choose? How do you choose what you're going to focus on? Like that, because this is something you're dealing with right now, right? Dude, I don't know if you guys agree with me, but the older you get, the faster time goes. No, oh, totally. You know, and it's like the years just start slipping by and in a good way, but you've, you've got to be cognizant of the fact that dude, I'm going to spend my time where I want to. I'm going to talk to the people I want to. You know, I'm going to work with the people I want to. So now it's really become to narrow the focus. It's not, okay, what's the most absolute 100% most profitable thing I can do and grind on all day long? You know, it's more or less, you know, what do I want to do? What type of life do I want to create? You know, what do I want to look like in eight years or five years or three years, you know, God willing, you know, what, what does that life look like to me? And so that's an active question that I have going almost all the time. And, you know, I, it's lifestyle by design. So, uh, you know, I, that's how I'm looking at it at this point. And so I've launched a few software businesses. I've got one right now for Amazon sellers called Overgrowth. And Amazon became a, an obsession of mine about three years ago and e-commerce in general. And Overgrowth uh, really serves that community. So, you know, I love the SaaS platforms. I love the scalability of it. I love the team I work with. I love how it becomes its own living entity. I actually heard a really good analogy with, with software. And this is coming from, um, you know, our mentor, Russell Brunson. And he said, it's like you have to launch it. You have to work really hard, strap a ton of, uh, you know, rockets to your spaceship and get your software into orbit. But once it's in orbit, it just kind of floats there and it becomes its own thing and its own living entity. Uh, And that's when you hire CEOs to try to break it. (laughs) And then, you know, but they obviously can't because it's already, it's already in outer space. And so I love the scalability and I love how. He's in outer space too. Is that Dean? How long is the beard actually getting? Jesus, it's it's pretty unruly. I'm not gonna lie. I find it really starting to affect my voice a little sometimes. Yeah, next time just mute your microphone before you need to clear your throat. (laughs) Only on just the tips. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, so, so, Brian, let me ask you some questions. Then we're committed to giving people the tips here on this show. And I think there's a lot to learn from somebody who is <laughs> from somebody who's gone from hustling other 6-year-olds in the neighborhood <laughs> franchising lemonade stands <laughs> to having eight businesses. Clearly you know something about starting and running companies, right? And at a very very high level, can you tell us like what do you think are the key ingredients, you know, to getting something going, but then also keeping something going because you've done both, right? You've gotten a lot of things off the ground. And then, you know, the auto glass example you just shared, you know, that's been going on for, uh, you know, you're only 21 now. So, uh, so, so what's, what are the keys? Like, what are some of the, the things that people, you think people get wrong, right? Cause you've been in the teaching space too, and there's gotta be a pattern 
to getting something off the ground that's going to work and keeping it going. And I just, I sort of want to hear from you on that. And then if Dean has anything, he can clear his throat so that, you know, we don't get that disturbance in force again. <laughs> that was fantastic. How granular do you want me to get there? I mean, I can break it down to, you know, what, what a day looks like for me, because it really comes down to one thing. And I think it, it you said it, it's execution. It's getting shit done. And a lot of people don't. A lot of things, you know, if they're going from concept to actual having a business, having, actually making money, that's kind of the uncanny valley that a lot of people don't jump. And so if you're actually becoming, a, a, you know, a ruthless executioner, that I think that's what we should all focus on. And if you don't have a business and you want to become an entrepreneur, that's, that's the number one thing you can do. I mean, as small as just registering for an employment identification number. You know, just, just claiming yourself as an entrepreneur can, can kind of get the gears turning. Mm. And, you know, I think it's 60 bucks in many states to get that. So, you know, it's not hard to become an entrepreneur. And once you tell yourself that you are, I think that, you know, the belief starts to set in and the gears turn and the wheels start moving, man. But, you know, for me, I really break it down to what do I need to do on a day-to-day basis to, to keep the wheels turning, to make sure that it's growing, to make sure that the income is, is going up constantly. For me, that's the secret sauce is what do you do on a day-to-day basis? Dean, I suspect you're itchy to ask Brian a question here. <laughs> well, I, w- I was actually quite interested to hear what a day in the life of Brian sounds like. I mean, a guy running eight companies here, like I imagine you're busy or are things not busy? Like what is what is the day in the life of, of someone like you? Yeah, it's a great question. So I've kind of only recently figured this out prior to coming to this new conclusion uh, just about a year ago or so. I was being pulled in every different direction. I mean, there's so many ways to to communicate now. You've got Skype and Zoom and text and email and phone calls and you you name it. There's seven at any given time in any given day. It's 17 different ways to get a hold of me. So the first thing was just to shut everything off, man, just to make sure that I was focused in chunks of time on one task. I wasn't getting the Facebook and Skype dings. My phone wasn't going off. So focusing on one task was really kind of the first, the first aha moment for me, right? Where I went, oh my God, I've got to just focus on one thing. Because it's hard when you're, you, you think you should multitask. You know, you go, I, well, multitasking is, is productive. This is how I'm going to get there. I'm going to do 20 things at once. Then you realize that multitasking is a lie, right? Doing two things at once is technically not possible. So, you know, once I realized that, that was like, okay, light bulb moment, I need to focus on one thing at a time. From there, it really kind of extrapolated into, you know, starting, I know a lot of people, who, who wrote the book, guys, Eat the Biggest Frog First or whatever the say. Oh, that's Brian oh, Tracy. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Tracy, right? I completely disagree with Brian Tracy. So, <laughs> I, like, I, he's I, that guy that I think is full of shit. Full of shit. <laughs> I'm like, he is completely fucking wrong, that guy. But... <laughs> For me, in the way I work, I prefer to do kind of like a productivity snowball. You know, I'll start doing the little remedial tasks, the things that are really super easy first, right? So I've got a big to-do list every day and I go, oh, okay, I've got to reply to that email, do that, done. Okay, I've got to write this check real quick, write that check, done. I've got to pay this bill online, okay, that's done. I look back and I go, wow, I've already done three things, fantastic, let's keep this up. And the momentum really starts to build. And I'm such a fan of momentum. When you get that kinetic energy in your business, you know, that's what really starts to feel good. And and at least for me, and maybe it resonates with some of the people listening, but for me, that's how you start to get into the state or the zone where you're creative and 
a lot of those little tasks every day, they really hold you back. I mean, they're in the back of your mind. They're sitting in your subconscious collecting a bunch of dust and building up, man. It's just a bunch of bullshit you don't deal with. And it builds up. And I think it saps your creativity. It saps your willingness to do much. And then you look back and you've got a mountain of stuff to do that really doesn't mean much to you. And you just don't do it. So for me, it's it's the reverse. It's the opposite. It's the productivity snowball. I start small and then I get to the bigger tasks as I've got momentum. Dude, I love that term, the productivity Ooh, snowball. I like it. Yeah, it's a good one. That is good. I like it. Yeah. And I, you know, I think you're highlighting something too, though. And that is not everybody works the same, yeah. right? You work differently than I do, and Dean works differently than you, and you know all these different things, and you don't figure that out unless you're executing, do you? Like you, you don't right. know how well you're going to do something or what your recipe for success is if you're just sitting there thinking about things. You only figure it out by doing. Right. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, shamelessly steal productivity snowball. <laughs> How about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Funny funny you mentioned that book. I remember reading it and I was like, oh, this makes sense. And I, I, I'm I, the same as you, Brian. Like I, I generally sit at the computer. I just wipe out all the small tasks that are like five minute things. I'm like, get those done. Because otherwise for me, they just play on my mind. And I remember reading that book and I was like, huh, that makes sense. I should maybe do things that way. And I remember almost trying to force myself to, to do it that way. But just like you just said, James, like you've got to work with how you work best. And uh, yeah, I discovered that I, I wasn't in tune with how that book suggests either. Nobody really likes eating frogs. No. Unless. No, <laughs> <you could> do- <laughs> well, I think that's the thing too. Like part of being an entrepreneur is the, the creativity that just comes out of you, you know, and, you, and you know, you're, you're literally pulling things out of the air and making them real. And for me, and I think a lot of people I've talked to about this, you know, when you've got those little you know, rinky dink tasks weighing on your brain and building up, I think it saps your creativity. And that's where the real genius is, right? That's where you're going to create the next iPhone or, or what have you. And, and that's that's something that just I can't let exist in my world. So I'm always, that's first things first. I, I get rid of those little tasks as soon as I can. And then I start chunking from there. I start breaking it down into like Pomodoro technique, if you guys know that. And that's, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. But <laughs> you're, uh, you're speaking my language here. Now we're in the, the productivity world. So you came at it with the productivity snowball. And for me, this was the reason that I created my whole autopilot entrepreneur system was because there were so many ideas and so many little things that needed to be done. But unless I got them out of my head and put them somewhere safe, they would get in the way of the creative stuff. And so, you know, everybody's got to, I think, you know, that's a great point. Being able to have the clarity of mind to create is probably one of the most important things that you can have as an entrepreneur. Because if you're not creating, you're kind of dead in the water because it is about continuous creation of, you know, either making what you have better or improving it or growing it, or in your case, you know, expanding into other things that were neighboring to the ideas that you already had. You know, that's, that's what entrepreneurs do, isn't it? They create value. That's like, that's the whole, the whole point of it, at least as far as I can tell. Yeah, I, I, I can't agree more with you. And I think it's more than just, you know, the creation in the common sense of the term. I mean, I'm not sitting down and, and drawing a picture, you know, every day. What it is, is, you know, even if you're just creating goodwill in your market and you're going out and you're delivering free value, or if you're doing it within your community, or if you're doing it within, you know, your organizations as well, right? So I, I'm a big believer that the fish kind of stinks from the head back. So if you're not in a place where you can create that 
you know, just good vibes in your, in your company and where you can create optimism and enthusiasm, then yeah, nothing's going to succeed because, you know, as hard as I've tried, no man is an island and you need a team if you want to, if you want to get to where I know many of us have set our goals. Completely. So what's now, Brian, like you've got, you know, you've got these eight companies, you're talking about getting focused you know, maybe melting a few of those snowballs that you've created. And uh, and actually, Brian, at some point, I got to tell you about this crazy technique I created. It's called the productivity snowball. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sounds delicious. Is it yellow? We're not supposed (laughs) to. Yeah, Yeah, I told you I was stealing it. See how easy that happened? But in all seriousness, so, so uh, so what's now? Like you've got... You've got all these things. You're you're narrowing down your focus. What do you suspect that your main focus is going to be? You know, in the in the short term. Yeah, I mean, it all kind of comes back to you know everything I've done that has been you know, uber successful has grown out of a community that I've built, and so I'm going to just double down, triple down on my communities. So whether I'm building the software overgrowth, or if I'm you know if I'm building something else, I, I think that when you have a community of people that are, are ravenous fans and, and, you know, almost like evangel, what's the word evangelical. So, you know, when they're, when they're really cool and they love what you're doing, I think that's a retirement plan. And I think that more than that, you can learn a lot from your community and just ask people what they want and then serve those needs. And that's the ticket. I mean, that literally is writing your own check. So for me, I'm, I'm just creating and sustaining and hopefully leading in a good way, my communities uh, to grow, the software companies, and who knows what else from there. Very cool. Just going to pick up on a big tip that, that Brian just kind of threw out there without even you know making a big deal of it for anyone listening, like asking your audience what they want. Like how few people do that? <laughs> Sounds crazy <laughs> yeah. simple, but it works. Well, and that's, you know, that's, that's a novel concept too, because most people have the misconception that being an entrepreneur is about you having such a great idea. Right. <laughs> And it's really not like you're more like the conduit for ideas that are going to serve other people. Because if your idea, if you're the only one who thinks you have a good idea, (laughs) you also are not going to make money, (laughs) right? Like you can have the, oh man, I have this greatest idea in the world (laughs) and I'm not even going to tell you, I'm going to make you sign an NDA (laughs) before I even share my idea with you. And you're like, anyone tells me that I can't wait to hear the idea. Not because I'm ready to steal it like I did the productivity snowball, but because I know it's going to be like, dude, this is your idea. Did you actually even go out and talk to your community or talk to the market right. to find out if other people are going to want this or it's going to add value? Yeah. I've had loads of great ideas that everyone else hated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. I mean, it's and, – and I think that the, the easiest way to do it, I, it, it sounds complicated. It sounds like, oh, I have to build a community, you know, like – how do I do that? I don't think I can do that. Or I'm not a good leader. It's as simple as starting a Facebook group. I mean, you can do it in under two minutes. And it's surprising to me how many entrepreneurs haven't done this. I mean, you create a community that you can train. And even if they're not your customers just yet, they've still got an opinion. They're in your market. They voluntarily joined your group because it's something that they're interested in. So, you know, I mean, if if I'm just going to give a tip, that would be the tip. Go start a Facebook group. You know, and and base it around what you think your community would be interested in, and then listen to your community. You know, you could do survey funnels, which are super easy. Either click funnels or survey monkey, or you can just do a poll within your group. 
which is native to Facebook. So for me, building a community has been the secret. I mean, it, it really has. I've done you know, multi-seven-figure launches without ad spend, regular communities that are paying, you know, large communities that every member pays $97 a month, you name it. And, and they've all really been birthed from free strategies and, and organic traffic and listening more than anything else. You know, my first launch I ever did, which was uh, an educational product teaching people how to do the autoglass model that I did. It was called PPL Empire. It's still out there. We've sold over 3,500 of these things organically. I haven't spent a dime on ads. In fact, I'm going to totally out myself. I don't really know how to do Facebook ads. So <laughs> I, and no, I don't, I don't it's like, a, how dare you? It's, you know, it's, it's kind of offensive to some people. They're like, how, how did you do this? I'm like, dude, it's, it's easy. Go start a Facebook group. So I think that's, you know, building a community is probably, you know, the biggest tip that I can give today. I like it. I left myself wide open with that last one. But <laughs> <laughs> well, not at all. I think, uh, no, and I, I, that's, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm sort of glad you brought up because there is this belief that there's a right way to do it. Right. And like, oh, I got to like, I got to get really good at Facebook ads. Otherwise, I'm going to be, you know, broke living in a cardboard shack down by the river. And clearly, you know, there's a lot of ways to skin that cat. And so it's, you know, it's good for for people to recognize that there's different ways to suit different strengths and and ways of doing things. And some people that do paid ads would uh, very much like to know how somebody manages to grow a business without. So it depends which side you look at it. Yeah, exactly. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence because it's usually fertilized with bullshit. So, <laughs> love it. <laughs> you know, so there's hard there's hard work and you know thinking and all that required on both sides, but it can be done a number of ways. I'm you maybe you did leave yourself open, but I think it's in a good way. Yeah, you know, I mean, if if only we could learn both, I feel like that would be the real superpower. Learn how to do it organically and run ads. So, <laughs> I think that's what's next in the pipeline for me. Maybe. Maybe. So, uh, so, so Brian, if, uh, if people want to connect with you, uh, you know, what's the best way to do that? Or are we just the, you know, the privileged couple guys that get to have <laughs> a conversation with you and uh, the cat? It's a lot of different ways. So if anyone listening wants to join one of my communities, if you're an Amazon seller, you can go to Overgrowth. Just go to Facebook and type in Overgrowth. You'll see my, my group there. Hit the join button. I'll let you in. You know, if you're interested in the, in the paper lead business model, I've got a group on Facebook called PPL Army. Uh, just hit the join button. I'll let you in. And, you know, or just email me. You can just email Brian at Overgrowth. You know, I'm happy to talk to everyone. So it's fun to hear from, from people that have heard you know, this podcast or other places I've been and, and just get their impression too. Awesome. Very cool. Dean, any, uh, any parting thoughts, any words of wisdom or curiosity? I'm a low on wisdom today. I can, I can just feel lack of wisdom. <laughs> 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 The wisdom tank needs to be <laughs> refilled. Top of a wisdom, yeah. But uh, no, I think this has been awesome. It's uh, it's it's been quite intriguing to get into the mind of somebody that managed to hustle six year old kids, and you know, I I'm still <laughs> still in my head, I think I'll go to bed tonight just imagining you actually riding around your old neighborhood on a bike later, just collecting fees and things from these kids that are still out there, daring <laughs> to try and work the streets without passing on their percentage. If only you knew, Dean, how, how scarily accurate that is. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, super, uh, super great having you on the show today, Brian. Thanks so much for being here and giving us your time and, uh, you know, all the uh, experiences that, that have helped you uh, create all these businesses. And, you know, for those of you guys who are interested in what Brian's up to and want to connect with him, uh, you know, he's obviously, you know, willing and able to talk. 
you heard the man, multiple seven figure launches, hustling kids since he was six. <laughs> you know, you're probably not going to find somebody to ask better entrepreneurial advice. So I highly recommend uh, you join one of his groups on Facebook or uh, take him up on his generous offer to reach out to him through email. So Brian, any, uh, any parting shots? Are you good, man? Man, I really appreciate it. This has been fun. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what you guys uh, do next. Awesome. Well, us too. We have no idea. So we'll see what happens next too. <laughs> we don't know where we'll be next week. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> so, uh, All right, everybody. Well, thanks uh, for tuning in to another episode of Just the Tips. We appreciate you listening and we will talk to you next time. Later. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.